The most significant NFL draft in recent Seahawks memory is just around the corner, with Seattle wielding a bevy of picks over the first two days. With the big event just over a week away, we unveil the first ever Cigar Thoughts mock draft with journalist and founder of the Seahawks draft blog, Rob Staten. Let's light them up. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. Welcome back to the Cigar Lounge. I am Jackson Bevins, and along with my rascally producer, Mike Barwin, this is the Cigar Thoughts Podcast. Mike, how are we doing today? We're pumped, Jackson. We're jacked. Uh, NBA playoffs are back, and draft day is right around the corner. We're excited, if nothing else. How are you, my friend? Oh, man, I am stoked for today's show and for a number of reasons. Not only are we just days away from the most exciting Seahawks draft of, well, I mean, probably ever for me, but I get to play the role of John Schneider in the official Cigar Thoughts mock draft, and making that even better, we're joined by one of our favorite guests to do the same. He covers the NFL on BBC's Five Live and is the creator of the brilliant Seahawks draft blog. He is Rob Staten. Rob, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, guys. It's a great time of year. Can't wait. This is kind of like the best time because once it's all done, it's over and there's nothing for like three months. So uh, really looking forward to this week and uh, getting into this pod and this mock draft with you. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be really fun. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about today because you and I, we're going to put our GM hats on and make our selections for the Seahawks at each of their first five picks in uh, day one and day two of the draft. And it's an episode I've looked forward to for a long time, but I'm even more excited about it because I get to do that with you, and and you've shown an impressive level of intuition regarding how Seattle approaches the draft over the last number of years. Before we get started, can you talk a little bit about how you do that? Just watch a lot of college football. You know, I'm very lucky that over here in the UK we have incredible access, so I can watch anywhere between eight and ten games a weekend. And basically, when I finish work, so I broadcast on English soccer, and then we'll come home and immediately we'll just get into it. You know, the, I've had a couple of games recorded from the early slate, which means I can fast forward through the commercials, get through that. Um, we'll watch games from about seven o'clock until two, three in the morning, and then we'll get up on wow. Sunday and just watch more. It absolutely kills my wife that I do this, um, but <laughs> I've, I've probably put more work into the into the last. 12 months than any anything else since the Russell Wilson trade because I just really wanted to, to, to sort of understand the players, especially the quarterbacks and stuff like that going into this. Um, I don't think I do anything that special or that different. It's just having the uh, access to watch so much college football, the, the time, sort of the, the commitment to doing it and a very patient wife. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, here's, here's to patient wives. Lord knows that uh, I'd be out of luck if I didn't have one myself. So uh, I'm glad she lets you do what you do because honestly, Seahawks Draft Blog is my favorite pre-draft source. Um, as I try to get my bearings, you know, on, on the draft as a whole, I want to understand at least the top hundred players uh, in the draft or, or something around there and, and be able to speak on them. But the way that you're able to frame it in terms of how Seattle approaches those drafts is super helpful to me. So stoked to have you on here and uh, you and I are going to lock horns a little bit in a battle of dueling John Schneiders. And for those listening, the premise for this exercise is Dane Brugler's latest mock draft, which you can find at the athletic. And it's going to work like this, Rob, you and I are each going to make picks at Seattle's native draft spots in the first three rounds. Those picks are number five, 
20, 37, 52, and 83. We're going to take trades off the table for this simply because there would be no way to account for the butterfly effects on the picks that would come after those trades. And this is going to help us stay on track. The key here is that you and I are not allowed to pick the same players as each other at those spots. So we'll alternate who goes first, but we are allowed to take whoever Brugler picks. So if you like the selection he's made at a given pick, you can take that player as well. Now, since you are our esteemed guest, you'll get to go first on picks 5, 37, and 83, while I'll take lead on picks 20 and 52. And again, these are based on the latest mock draft from Dane Brugler at The Athletic. And after we make our picks, Mike, agent of chaos that he is, will rage draft the selection, picking the player most likely to piss off Seahawks fans. And Mike actually did this a few years ago as a funny one-off post for field goals. And he ended up nailing like three of the picks. So we're just going to throw his unpredictable ass into the mix as well. Yeah. What ended up happening was uh, I'm to blame for Ethan Posick. So you're welcome, everybody. Uh, I also predicted uh, Demorier Stringfellow, who was around the preseason. Uh, and I think he ended up on the practice squad for a bit. And I accidentally uh, predicted Richard Sherman as a 49er. So again, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, Mike, Mike is going to be in his normal incendiary self and, uh, and we're going to go from there. So Mike, we're not going to have you read off every player before each pick, but since Seattle picks a five and it's such a monumental spot in the draft, why don't you tell us the four players who went before the Seahawks first selection? All right, let's get this show on the road. Uh, number one, the Carolina Panthers who mortgaged just about everything. Uh, for the number one overall pick, take Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. Number two, the Houston Texans follow in suit with C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. The third, uh, the bastardized Arizona Cardinals take Will Anderson Jr., edge ah, out of Alabama, who was announced today to have officially visited the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, so if that doesn't get your ears perked up, I'm not sure what does. And then fourth overall, the Indianapolis Colts, excuse me, the Indianapolis Jim Irsays take quarterback <laughs> Anthony Richardson, Florida. God damn it. So fifth pick on the clock. Are we ready to get this, get this thing going? Let's do it. All right, Rob, you got first crack at this. Who are you taking at number five? And talk us through your thought process as you make this pick. Well, I'm a little bit worried that my selections are going to uh, usurp Mike and that everybody hates these picks and gonna wind, it's going to wind everybody up. But, um, because when I look at this Everyone's scenario... Everyone's allowed to rage, Mark. <laughs> when I look at this scenario, this is, this is a, a really frustrating scenario for me because I think the Seahawks yep. are going to really like Will Anderson and I think Will Anderson's a, a great fit for their defense. And I think if they are looking for somebody who can come in and, and have a major impact Anderson, on defense, Anderson's the, the one who is most likely to do that. And then... I've been sort of saying for a few weeks that I think if Anderson's not there, that Anthony Richardson will be the sort of plan B just because he is such a freakish player. You know, there's so much yeah. potential there. And the idea of sort of sitting him for a year or even two and letting him, you know, be coached up and, and learn the offense and then let him loose with, a, you know, an offense with DK Metcalf and Anthony Richardson and Ken Walker would be thoroughly exciting, you know, to watch <laughs> yeah, every man. week. That'd be a freak show. So... They're both gone at three and four. You know, the CJ Stroud, everyone's kind of saying he's fallen a little bit and, and he's gone as well at number two. Um, I'm not a big Tyree Wilson guy. And, you know, the only other defensive player in this spot that I would even remotely consider is Devin Witherspoon. Just I think he's such a fun player to watch. 
Yeah. But uh-huh. I'm not I'm not gonna take him. I'm gonna take a player that a lot of people are gonna hate that I'm taking, but I think he's better than a lot of people think. I think he is a scheme fit for this team. I well, I know he is because we've seen him play in Seattle scheme. I've had a chance to speak to him. I've had a chance to speak to people at his college team about him. And I, I'm going to take Will Levis. I, I just think that he's got an incredibly rough deal from the media. I think it's a load of BS. I think the, the all this stuff about him working out too much, like are we really at a point where we're worried about a guy spending too much time looking <laughs> after himself? Um, I I acknowledge that there are definitely issues that he needs to work through, and he, he acknowledges that too. But... I've, I've kind of labored this point a lot on the blog to the point people are telling me to stop going on about it, which is if you look at what people were saying about Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, it was a lot of similar stuff. doesn't mean that he's going to be a player like that, but I think with a rare number five pick, taking a chance on getting somebody who, and I know he's older, he's 24 already, I still don't think that means you have to start him straight away. I think you, you've got a year's leeway or a couple of years leeway if Geno Smith continues to play well. I think he could be a really good player. I think he could be a, a Herbert-level player in the NFL. And with a number five pick, I'm willing to take a chance on that. And if it doesn't work out, no regrets. It's it's a bonus pick for the Seahawks. And, and I just think that he has got a lot of... I, I think teams are going to like him more than people think. So I'm going to I'm going to take the anger and the probably the people shouting at, at how, what, what a screen or phone or whatever, however they're listening to this, and say that I'm I'm going to take Will Levis here. You know, you know, I I was wondering if you would go that route, having read your stuff. You know, as, as someone who wouldn't blink at taking Anthony Richardson in this spot, I can't get too mad at it. Levis is not my particular flavor of quarterback, uh, but you make excellent points uh, because Justin Herbert wasn't mine either, and neither was Josh Allen. And those are two players that I just couldn't have been more wrong about. I do think he has gotten a raw deal. It's it's so funny how media momentum plays into all of this stuff. Something gets leaked. It becomes a talking point on a show like, oh, he puts mayonnaise in his coffee. And then that leads to all of these other things. And it's just like, okay, you know, now he's slipping and falling down the boards. And maybe he's not even going to be a top 10 pick. And, you know, look, he had a shitty season this year. Uh, but I think there's a lot of mitigating factors for that because he was excellent the year before. And there was a lot of talk after uh, the 2021 season that Levis could be the first overall pick uh, in this draft. And then he just he just had a tough year at Kentucky. He's not who I would take, but as someone who would have taken Richardson if he was there, I certainly understand the process behind it. Can I just say one last thing about him? Because this is the thing, like I, I do think as a, as a media and as, as fans across the NFL, we have become really fixated on what players can't do in the draft. And John Schneider gave a yes. really good quote to 710 Seattle Sports where he said, it's about the projection. It's not about what they're doing now. It's about where they can become with proper coaching. And when you watch Will Levis, there are a lot of things that he needs to work on and improve. That's, you know, that goes without saying. Everybody knows all of that. I don't think there's been much time spent on what he can actually do. And there are little things like, I, I've drawn clips up where, he has a defensive, like the defensive lineman shoves his center right onto his left foot and the, and the center is standing on his foot as he is throwing the ball off balance and he throws it perfectly 40 yards downfield, one-on-one coverage into the perfect spot. 
There are just not many players who can do that. There are numerous examples on tape of him being absolutely leveled. He stands in the pocket. He's going to get hit. He knows he's going to get hit in the chest. And he throws it across the middle to a check down for a first down and you move the chains. He is a he is a great athlete. He's got a fantastic arm. He is a, like... I interviewed Chris Rodriguez, who was the running back at Kentucky a couple of weeks ago, and said, what's this guy really like? So a lot of people are saying he's this, that, and the other. He's not a good character or whatever. He had bad meetings. And he just said, he does not care. He will go and talk to everybody in that locker room. He will make them be friends with him. He is just that kind of guy. He, he you know, he will, if, you, if you don't take him straight away, he'll keep working on until he's like best friends with everybody. There's not going to be any issues with him, he was saying, when he gets into a locker room. I just think you have to sometimes look at what a player can become not necessarily what they were. And I and I genuinely believe if you put Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or anybody, Michael Penix Jr., Hendon Hooker in that situation at Kentucky in 2022, they would have faced a real challenge. And I think if you put well, Will Levis or you could probably put me with Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and you'd look a lot better. So, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. in two early round tackles and five-star running backs is pretty good to work with. <laughs> the situation matters so much. Absolutely. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's a gamble, but all of these picks are gambles. And if you go quarterback here, there's just going to be more scrutiny. And, you know, that, that comes with the territory. That comes with the position. You know, this is a guy that needs to come in and not only be one of the best players on your team, he's got to be the de facto face of the franchise, the CEO. And, um, you know, I haven't seen anything about Will Levis that makes me think he can't be that. So, uh that is a, a bold first pick here. It leaves me with two options. Um, you know, Le- Levis wasn't one of the two that I was going to take. And, and you mentioned Devin Witherspoon. I like him a lot. I was actually tempted to go with Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon here, just because he's he's a taller, bigger, longer corner uh, that can play on the outside and and really allow them to go with their three safety look or and, and keep Kobe Bryant on the inside. And, and, you know, there's so much talk about Seattle's need for increased pass rush, um, but a very underrated aspect of that is coverage. And the thought of being able to go with Tariq Woolen on one side, Christian Gonzalez on the other, Kobe Bryant in the slot, and then rotating three safeties with Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, Julian Love, it's tempting. But I think the best football player in this draft is Jalen Carter. And if the team is comfortable with everything that's happened in the last three months, I'm taking the flyer. Uh, it is Seattle's greatest position of need, especially after how they've handled uh, free agency, essentially letting their entire defensive interior defensive line go. When Jalen Carter is locked in, he is an absolute game wrecker. I believe so, so, so powerfully in the value of, Pass rush up the middle, disruption up the middle. I think that does more to wreck an opponent's um, game plan than edge pressure does. Will Anderson would have been my pick here had he lasted, um, but uh, clearly he he didn't. So uh, I'm also tempted with Tyree Wilson. You know, I mean, he's huge. He's so long. He plays on the edge, which is another obvious position need for Seattle, but. I'm taking the gamble on the talent, just like you did with Levis. I'm doing it with Jalen Carter. There's echoes of Malik McDowell here, but uh, if the team feels comfortable with their due process on him, I would be okay with that. I am taking Jalen Carter fifth overall to the Seattle Seahawks. Well, <clears throat> do you know what the, the thing is? Is I don't actually think Malik McDowell is the is the best comparison with Jalen Carter. I worry that Isaiah Wilson is the best comparison with Jalen Carter. The 
offensive lineman that was taken by Tennessee, another Georgia guy, and, and, and unfortunately just wasn't ready to be a professional football player. And, and I'm a little bit worried that that is what Jalen Carter is. I think that there are, there are certain words. So I was listening to um, a, a guy called Jim Monos, who is the former director of player personnel for the Bills. And he, this is what he said uh, this week. Um, Doesn't love football is a trigger word. Treadmill, that means weight issues. You really should just move on. It's tempting because of the size and speed, but you have to move on. You need to let somebody else be the hero. I would let somebody else be the hero. There are, you know, you you hear words with, and and this has been reported, you know, from scouts, um, words like lazy. Um, He doesn't love football, doesn't love the weight room. Um, People have taught, you know, that Bob McGinn has released some, some quotes talking about his family background not being ideal. You know, I know that he basically did whatever he wanted at Georgia and the coaches kind of just let him get away with it, provided he turned up on a Saturday to play for Georgia. Um, Practice habits, you know, that's been echoed by Todd McShay, saying his practice habits aren't good, he's not very coachable. I would be scared to death the moment that minicamp finishes if you draft Jalen Carter because You've essentially said to him, all of the stuff that you've done at Georgia, the the bad practice habits, the um, kind of doing what you want to do, the conditioning was was all over the place. He's he's not in good shape. He wasn't in good shape against LSU. He wasn't in good shape against Ohio State. He said that was an embarrassing performance. The The pattern of mistakes that he's made, which has led to legal trouble, you are basically saying to Jalen Carter, none of that matters. You know, you it's okay. Your lifestyle, the way that you've conducted yourself is fine by us because we've taken you fifth overall. There were no consequences to that. In fact, we're going to guarantee you $30 million. What incentive is there for that guy after minicamp's finished to go away and, and go straight to the gym every day and work on his conditioning for the next two months so that when he gets to training camp, he's in good shape? I, I would have, be having sleepless nights if I was a coach, wondering exactly, one, what he's doing in that period between minicamp and training camp. And two, what kind of shape is he going to be in when he gets to training camp? I, I am terrified by Jalen Carter. The talent is unquestionable. He doesn't understand what he's missing out on, quite frankly. Potentially financially, potentially in terms of having a Hall of Fame career and being one of the greatest defensive linemen who've, who've played the game in a long time. He has that level of talent. But people compare him to Aaron Donald. People forget that Aaron Donald was pissed off for greatness. Aaron Donald yep. is a relentless competitor who works harder than anybody else, any of his peers. You have to have that side of it as well. You cannot rely on talent. And I'm afraid that Jalen Carter relies on talent. And unless he has, he may take, it may take him two to three years for the light to switch on. It may never switch on. And I'm not taking a guy who you don't know whether he can play 30% of the snaps for 17 weeks with a fifth overall pick. I'm afraid I agree with Jim Monos and I'm I'm willing to let somebody else take that chance, which is a real shame because totally. he's exactly what they need. Yep. Yep. This is a bet on talent. You know, I think if you got a chance to get again, who I think is, is maybe the best football player in this draft, uh, you go for it. And there is no question that there are risks here there. You, you do have to wonder a little bit, do you have to babysit this guy? Um, and and this is more of a, you know, if Seattle takes him at five, I am going to put faith in their due diligence on that. Um, I cannot peek behind that curtain. 
I'm betting on the talent. I think Jalen Carter uh, has more potential to make this team a Super Bowl contender than any other player that is still available on the uh, on the board at number five. And and I want to take a shot at that ceiling. I, I think at five, you swing for the fences. And um, no question, big risk there. Um, I think there's a lot of risk with Levis in having a bus quarterback. Um, but, uh, you know, you're certainly not going to question his uh, approach to getting better. So, yeah, big risk. Fully aware of it. Still taking Jalen Carter. Mike, who are you rage picking at number five? All right. You know what we're doing here? Uh, I think I know he's going to pick. Mock. I, I think I know he's going to pick here, by the way. I mean, look, <laughs> Rob, Jackson, we're looking to simultaneously optimize positional value and bring in blue chip talent. So there's oh only one God. answer to this question. Oh, my right? God. At number five overall, the Seahawks are selecting B. John Robinson. Knew it. Uh, running back from Texas. There's no Knew other it. choice, it. right? It has to be. It has to be. I mean, you and I have talked about this last year, Jackson. We wanted to be the Packers where you have two reliable running backs. What happened to the Seahawks offense when Ken Walker got banged up later in the season? The consistency, the reliability, it tanked. We've been talking about the third receiving option for years. We need the second rushing option, okay? I see the vision with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. I see the vision with Ken Walker and B. John Robinson. It's time. Pull it. the trigger. I, I love it. You know, the 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 good faith with which you just argued taking a running back yeah. at number five. Hey, it's not two. I'm not admirable. Dave Gettleman. Come on, I'm reasonable. Listen, having Bijan Robinson would be fucking amazing. It would yeah. be so much fun having Ken Walker there. You can't do it at five, but I, I, I love it. I can and I will, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he's probably the best running back since Jonathan Taylor to come out. Uh, some are saying since Saquon Barkley. It's just such it's such a fragile position. I loved the Ken Walker pick at 41 last year, and I think that that paid big dividends already. Um, I think for me, if you're still mad at the Ken Walker pick, you're a little, there's a little bit of take lock there in that no running back is worth a top 40 pick, um, which I don't think to be true. Uh, Walker was exceptional last year. Uh, one of the best rookies in the NFL, but you can't take Bijan at five. <laughs> That's because you're a coward, but I understand. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, I just took Jalen Carter, man. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Who did, uh, who did Brugler mock to Seattle there? Uh, that was your second choice, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Yep. Yep. Big, long. Yeah. Can we kind of just have a thought on Tyree Wilson? So um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit surprised at some of the stuff. I don't know if you've seen Chris Sims talking about him like he's, you know, the greatest defensive end to, to end the league in, in the decade. Um, I'm a bit surprised by this because he, he is tall and he's a great bull rusher. Well, he's a, he's a good bull rusher. You know, he does get initial contact is very, very good and you can push people backwards, but he then struggles to disengage or finish those those bull rushes a lot of the time. I don't see a speed rush from him. I don't see an edge rush, you know. Mm -hmm. Bending the arc and getting around that just doesn't do it. And and it makes me wonder a little bit, like you're you're banking on him being an Olden Smith type player. You know, when when Sims says he's a Garrett, a Bo, when people are saying he's that, he could be Houston's Bosa because they're talking about him like number two. That's not the player he is. Like if he has to be an Olden Smith type if he's going to work out. And Olden Smith didn't look like Olden Smith when he was in college. So when he was at Missouri, there was no, there was no, no, no suggestion he was going to come into the league and be Olden Smith. So that's what you've kind of got to hope for. But I, I'm I'm really fascinated by how much love he's getting 
in the media right now because I, for me, he's a good player, but he's he's. I think Will Anderson's a better prospect, and certainly, I just, certainly. I just, I don't really understand some of the stuff that's been said about Anderson, like as like a potential second overall pick. All right, so that puts me on the clock at number 20, and some of the players I was hoping would fall to me got taken, including Nolan Smith and Lucas Van Ness, edge rushers from Georgia and Iowa, respectively. Um, I was also kind of hoping that either Devin Witherspoon or Joey Porter Jr., the cornerbacks from Illinois and Penn State, would still be here, but unfortunately, all those guys were selected already, which leaves me with two choices that kind of stand out above the rest. One is Adetomiwa at a Bauere, I think I got that right. He's the defensive tackle from Northwestern that has blown the pre-draft process away uh, from standing out at the senior bowl, crushing all of his measurements. I'm tempted to pair him on that D-line with Jalen Carter. But ultimately, if you look at the teams that have played in and won the vast majority of Super Bowls in the last decade, they've had great pass catchers. And it is rare to find a standout talent and wide receiver available this late in the first round. In this mock draft, no wide receivers were taken in the first 19 picks, and it's because of this that with the 20th overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. I'm going to talk about him in a second, but Rob, I want to get your thoughts on the pick. Well, you've only picked him because he's called Jackson. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) He's so biased. I've been saying this for like a month. Come on. So, I mean, a quick thought on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I, I'm a little bit, he didn't play at all last year. And I, I think he could have played. I mean, he had a hamstring injury and he, he basically just mailed it in and, and didn't play, which is a bit of a, an alarm bell for me. And then I know he ran like a 4-5-0 or he may even sneaked into the 4-4s at his pro day on a fast track. He runs like a 4-6 guy, you know, when you, I think when you watch him on tape. There's no doubt his agility is very good. And I think on those short areas, you know, crossing routes, stuff like that, he can be productive. But I think he's going to be quite limited in terms of the deep routes. I think his probably major upside is to be a Jarvis Landry type, which is fine. You know, you, you, Jarvis Landry was a decent player. Um, but it, I think I, he's better than Jarvis Landry. I think he's Keenan Allen. I mean, I've seen Adam Thielen suggested as a as a comparison as well. So I mean, obviously, if you that'd could do that, that'd be just fine by me. If you could do that, that'd be here's, good. Here's the thing that I like about wide receivers. I mean, the big, fast, strong jumpers; those guys are great. You get if you can get a DK Metcalf, you can get a DK Metcalf. AJ Brown, guys like that. That's amazing. But in the modern NFL, you win by getting open and you win by getting open quickly. And no one does that better than Jackson Smith and Jake Bell. Full route tree. Um, no, he's not going to be a burner, but I don't think Seattle needs another burner necessarily to make this offense work at its maximum. I think that he can be the Chris Godwin to DK Metcalf's Mike Evans. Um, I think that he is going to give a, a lot of fear for defensive coordinators when they go three wide receiver sets with uh, Lockett, Metcalf, and JSN out there. And then, you know, he's good enough to be in two wide receiver sets. And at some point, Tyler Lockett is not going to be Tyler Lockett anymore. He'll either be on another team or his skills will fade. We've already seen Lockett completely forfeit his yards after the catch uh, aspect of his game. And I, I look at JSN, I look at the production that he had, even with top tier uh, NFL talent around him and Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams was in that room, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, these are all top 10 quality wide receivers, and he was the most productive of all of them. I want guys who separate. Nobody in this class separates like JSN does. He's my guy at 20. So 
That puts you on the clock at 20 here, Rob. Mm. Who you got? Okay, so it's, it's going to be another pick that people are going to hate. Um, but I'm, I'm going off my board here. You know, this is, you know, you, the, I like I'm, the, it, man. I'm the GM. Stick to so the guns. It's, it's, it's my, it's my, my pick. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm gonna, I, and I'm not you're picking. The, you're the one that's got to sit up there in front of all the cameras and answer the questions when this yeah. is done. And, and I'm not picking for need. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm determined not to pick for need. I'm picking the best player. So I am going to take Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame Titan. I think you need, I think you need players on your team who are just going to be there week in, week out, who are going to be consistent, really reliable, and are going to get the job done for you. Michael Mayer is going to come into the league and he is going to be a third down machine. He is going to move the chains for you so many times. He is going to block like a demon. He is going to give every ounce of his ability. He has run agility testing in the bracket that, you know, because people talk about his speed. But his agility testing is up there with all of the top tight ends who've been in the league for the last 10 years. And it's that sort of subtle separation that he needs to, to be a real force on third downs and running the scene. He, like I say, is a good blocker. He is extremely passionate about football. I think he can be a Zach Miller for you. I think he can be that, you know, they needed that type of player back in the day, you know, to sort of knit everything together on offense. And I think he can be that. I'm, I'm, you know, I really want to. I'm a bit wary that the Seahawks have never truly featured a tight end like some other teams managed to do and get major production out of them. And a first round pick at that position is a little bit rich. I just think the talent is too good. In a year's time, Noah Fant's going to be a free agent. So is Kobe Parkinson. We don't know what Will Disley's long term prospects are. So I'm, I'm just going to take best player available here. Maybe you trade Noah, Noah Fant after the draft to save six and a half million dollars. Just get something for him. So you can add another player at a different position. I, I love Michael Mayer. He's one of the top 15 players in the draft for me. So if he's there at 20, I'm going to take him. I, I I will agree with you that I think Michael Mayer is one of the best pure football players in this class. I love Michael Mayer. Um, and the temptation is going to be there. I don't hate the pick. I think that the talent gap between Mayer and the tight ends that you currently have on the roster is a lot smaller than the gap between JSN and your number three receiver, which is D. Eskridge right now. And I think the contingency plan for Tyler Lockett is so crucial. And if you can get ahead of it with the best wide receiver in this class, you do it. That being said, Michael Mayer does so much for an NFL team. He is going to be an awesome tight end in this league. And I, I frankly will be surprised if he's still on the board at 20. He was in this mock. Don't blame me for taking him. Um, it feels a little redundant to me, but you're right. Don't know if no offense <clears throat> going to be around long-term. They'll have a decision to make on Colby Parkinson. And, you know, Mayer would relieve you of all of that stress at a position that matters a great deal in the Shane Waldron offense. All right, Mike, how are you enraging Seahawks fans this time? <laughs> Uh, very carefully. You can't take Bijan again. Very carefully. Oh, should I pull the trigger on another running back? <laughs> I'd also game. like to say. I'd also like to say that uh, I appreciate that with uh, your collective picks at number twenty, you selected Jackson and Mike. So you know we keep it on brand for the show. We were talking about this with DK a while back, and uh, yeah, feel, feeling great. So uh, at number twenty in the Rage Mock, you know the Seahawks. They have over $40 million uh, dedicated to safety this year. So 
Hey, what's another one, right? <laughs> We're going to take Brian Branch out of Alabama. He's undersized, oh a God. tackling machine, a little slow, great football IQ. You know, a bit, a little bit of a tweener between safety and nickel. So maybe that gets in Kobe Bryant's head a little bit. Maybe takes him down a peg or two this coming season. <laughs> we're just fucking with our uh, uh, with our teammates' heads at this point. So, yeah, we, we're we're thinking this through. So Brian Branch at number twenty out of Bama. Oh, my I like that pick. Right. I, I I like Brian Branch. He's a, he's a I like Brand. I like Branch too. If we didn't just bring in Love, I'd be all for I it. I think the fun thing about taking a running back and a safety with the first two picks is that the Seahawks very well may select at those two positions higher this year than people want them to. That's like Pete Carroll's favorite two positions. Yeah, exactly. They That's are. what I'm saying. And you know, you, you've <laughs> yeah. got expensive guys at safety, and you need some redundancy at running back. So, well. I hope it's not Branch, although I do think Branch will be a good safety in this league. Who did uh, Dane have mocked to Seattle here? He had Jackson Smith and Jigba. So mm, going with conventional man. wisdom. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, you are on the clock with the 37th pick. Yeah, I'm looking at my board. I mean, there, there are so many players that I... <laughs> that I have very high on my board that are still available. Um, I, I think Josh Downs is the best receiver in the draft. Um, he's still there. My second receiver in the draft is still there as well. That is Jonathan Mingo. Um, wow. There is, there, I would have loved Will McDonald to be here, but the Rams have taken him at number 36, which is really frustrating because I'm, I appreciate I haven't done anything to fix the defense yet. Um, so there's a lot of interesting players that I really like. I like Dewan Jones, I like Anton Harrison, but they, they don't really need a, a tackle, do they? So not going to go in that direction either. Um, the player that I'm going to take here, and, and I think this is a good spot where need matches uh, ability and, and, and you can sort of get some good value here. I am going to take the Wisconsin uh, defensive tackle, Keanu Benton. I'm oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> ah, that's who I was going to take to. I've got to agreed on one. But I, I just think he's a he's a really strong, stout player. I think he can play multiple positions at the front. I I, I just think he's a he's the kind of guy you want to go to battle with. I think they need some of these guys up front. You know, it's easy to forget that they've signed Draymond, um, Draymond Jones, you know, this offseason. They've, they've brought in a guy who can who can be that impact pass rusher for you. And and I think what they do need now is obviously they need to find a nose tackle from somewhere. And, and you know, Benson could play a bit of nose, but I think he's better at the five. Um, I, I I just think they need some some guys who can play consistent style football and, and, and do a job for you. So I really like Benson here and I'm going to take him. Man, I was so excited about this. Leaving the draft with Jalen Carter and Keanu Benton. Just set and forget, hopefully, in the case of, of Carter at defensive tackle, double up on the team's greatest need. I'm glad you went with him, though, because you needed defense on your team uh, with this draft. And I he's, he's my favorite defender left. Uh, the guy I'm going to check down to, I don't have too far behind Benton. And that is Trenton Simpson, who's an edge kind of outside linebacker out of Clemson lightning fast um you know nolan smith is a player that i've fallen in love with during this draft process i think brugler even had him jumped all the way up into the top 10 uh in this draft and i i think that trenton simpson is kind of nolan smith light uh you just 
just having some pure speed. Well, you're talking about that Tyree Wilson lacks as an edge rusher. Uh, Trent Simpson has. He just attacks the football. And, you know, he he reminds me a little bit of Uchenna and Wosu, maybe a little slighter. When we had Greg Bell on the show a few weeks ago, he talked about how there's just a lot of freelancing being done by those edges. And I think that if that's going to be the approach and you can shore up your interior defensive line, having a guy that can play both rush the passer and cover um, Trent Simpson's able to run with running backs and slot wide receivers. Uh, he plays instinctively. There's a lot that needs to be cleaned up in terms of, you know, assignment integrity and things like that. But that that's what coaching is for. That is why you pay NFL coaches what you pay them. I want the talent. I want the speed. I'm going Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. Rob, how you feel about it? Not, not the biggest fan, uh, must admit. Um, I thought Trenton Simpson in 2021 was, you know, he was very similar to Jamal Adams in, in 20, I'm trying to think of the year it was, 2020. In that he was kind of used as a specialist blitzer, you know he was he he was very much in an attack mode all the time. They would create opportunities to get him screaming off the edge and play in the backfield, and it was it was quite good to watch. But you also acknowledge that for the NFL, he would need to probably take on a more orthodox role um, as a linebacker and complement some of that blitzing ability. And then Clemson last year put him at linebacker. I watched every sing- I've watched every single Clemson game because I was watching. You know, Miles Murphy and people like and Brian mm-hmm. Brissey and Trenton Simpson for the draft. And when and as the season was going on and Gino was playing well, it was looking more and more like they were going to go defense without top pick. So I wanted to make sure that I watched all the, you know, the top guys and I ended up watching every Clemson game. And, and I have to say, I, every single week I was watching Clemson, I, I forgot that Trenton Simpson was playing. You know, he just really struggled to make an impact on games without that blitzing ability. He seemed to be on the periphery of everything. And it bothered me a little bit. I kind of I came away thinking, great athlete, good blitzer, but is he any good at playing linebacker? And I think whoever gets him is is going to have to probably spend a couple of years teaching him how to be a linebacker. He can't just be Jamal Adams in twenty twenty. He has to he has to become a you know if you're going to take him in round two, he has to be a Michael Kendricks, he has to be a Bobby Wagner, he has to be a Levante David. You know that's what you're hoping for. And I, and I think he's a mile off that. So I've got him in round two because the athletic qualities, I think they're better than, than the testing results, by the way. I think he's he's a better athlete than that. I don't know what was going on there. Which is crazy because his test results are bananas. He ran a yeah. 4-4-3 with a 1-5-5 split. I, I think he's even better than that. You know, there's, there was talk of him running in the 4-3s when he was at Clemson. Like he's, I think he, mm-hmm. but there's a few guys, like Marzi Smith was another one who, who didn't ever get close to his, you know, expected testing results. So I think he's an even better athlete than that which is why I've got him in round two, because I think there's definitely something to work with there. I, I just think that he's he's probably someone who's a bit of a project who needs to go to the right kind of staff who who can guide him and, and coach him. And maybe Seattle is a good staff for that, but um, yeah, I think he needs a bit of work. Yeah, I, I will readily acknowledge that he needs a bit of work. No, no question. I, I think we're getting to the point of the draft where most of the guys left need that as well. Um, I think a lot of that could be said about Keanu Benton as well. Um, but yeah, I want a weapon. I want, I want a disruptive force on that defense in the second level. And that's something this defense has really, really lacked. Uh, this team has not been good at forcing turnovers. They have not been good at disruptive plays. And I think that 
you know, you're aiming for the top 20% range of outcomes for all of these guys with all of these picks and Trenton Simpson's top 20% range of outcomes is really, really good and really, really disruptive. I'm willing to take the gamble on that. But like I said, you took my guy. So uh, he, he was my second choice here. Uh, I love the Benton pick. Mike, how are you pissing us off this time? All right. So at number five, Rob uh, jumped on the quarterback carousel with Will Levis. Jackson, you so uh, honorably refrained since the Florida man had already been taken. But yeah. at 37, we're not going Hendon Hooker because he's older than Jalen Hurts, who just got paid like 250 something million dollars. Uh, we are going with Tanner McKee, quarterback <laughs> oh from Stanford, who was mocked at number 158 in Dane Brugler's mock. But you know what? He's a quarterback, so we can go get that your guy, spot. Mike. We're getting our guy, <laughs> damn it! And I, I can just say that the only, the only time that I've watched Tanner McKee was when he played, when Stanford uh, got walloped by Washington uh, this past season. And I think he got sacked on RPOs like three times in that game overall. Like <laughs> did you see what times. I did with him last year? So why, why, why are we taking him again? <laughs> yeah, well, because, you know, if there's one thing that Seahawks fans love, it's watching quarterbacks who get themselves sacked way more than they should. So that's my pick at 37. We've been missing that. Did you see how Stanford used him last year? They basically treated him like he was Colin Kaepernick. Like they, they scheme oh, the yeah. whole offense to have him on the move as much as possible, and he runs like a giraffe. Like it's yeah. it's just crazy. <laughs> like it's, it was what I, I had no idea what what David Shaw was doing. I mean, he's lost his job. Uh, I just uh, it was crazy to watch. He is bad, Mike Glennon. He's like a bad version yeah. of Mike. Wow. Glennon. I also think that uh, drafting a quarterback at thirty seven undermines Geno, which will also piss people off. So yeah, we're we're here. <laughs> Who did Brugler have? Brugler had Hendon Hooker. So okay, I was trying to, all right. So he's on the quarterback train with you. There's been a lot of smoke around Hendon Hooker to Seattle, and he is such a tough eval for me. Numbers are obviously insane. Uh, you know, Tennessee had the most explosive offense in college football last year. They beat Alabama. Hooker was a on track to be a Heisman finalist, if not the Heisman winner, uh, before he got hurt. But he is old. He is hurt, and he played in just an offense that would never see the light of day in the NFL. Just super wide splits, almost never like even their slot receivers were out like past the hash marks, which just and it was and it was pure speed with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, just guys that college people can't cover, especially in that much space. It was a brilliant offense for college football. There's just no chance of that translating. So the question is, can Hooker operate? Within a Shane Waldron offense, there's a lot of people who seem to think he can. Maybe he can. Maybe he'll be a good quarterback in the NFL. He certainly has shown the uh, top-end talent to be that. But, uh, man, that is a massive projection. It is, and he is uh, – you, you've called it exactly right. I, I think if anybody hasn't watched Hendon Hooker highlight, go and find a Hendon Hooker highlights video. Don't watch tape. Just get a highlights video and count. Like make it a five-, six-minute video. Count how many times the commentator will go – Wide open as he's like oh as the receiver gosh. is catching up. It's like every throw is wide open. It's 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 like it's like the throwing drill at the combine watching Tennessee. Yes, take. it is, and it's 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 preposterous, and it's the same scheme that you see. You know, Ohio State run a similar scheme, and Washington run a similar scheme, and you have to just accept that the scheme is 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 what it is, 
and it's very prolific and it's good and it make quarterbacks makes quarterbacks look good but it's a half field read scheme they it's amazing you know i watched all of the games that they've played that stroud Penix Jr. and Hooker all threw the same interception last season, throwing on the same kind of throw where they try and look off the safety to their right. They come back across the middle and throw almost blind. And they just, the defense read it. And there's like a triangle of linebackers. It's, you, I, you go and dig it out. There's like three linebackers stood around the intended target, just ready to intercept it because they've just read the play. And I'm thinking, this is not how it works in the NFL. And Hooker, the thing that people say about Hooker that they like is that he is so smart, he is physically gifted, he's an absolute worker bee and he's going to get in there and do everything it takes to learn the offense and do it. And if you're prepared to project the intelligence of the man, the work ethic, the personality, the way that he is with his teammates and the physical skills, then there's every reason why he can work out. I just get, for me, there's a bit of an Andy Dalton quality vibe to him where he might be able to play quite well for a bit but not elevate a team and I think Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to get with him I think some of the others like Anthony Richardson could be the face of the NFL in four years time he could be like Mr. NFL he uh, I I think there's a legit chance CJ Stroud could be and and Bryce and and Bryce Young could be and I think Will Levis could be a Justin Herbert level I think with Hooker, I kind of look, he's not he's not Andy Dalton, but he, I think that's the level of quality of player that he can be. And Andy Dalton was decent for a while, but never special. Yeah, I think Hooker's good enough to have a career in the NFL, for sure. But I don't think that he's Seattle's contingency plan uh, for Geno. If you're, not, if you're not getting one of those top quarterbacks this year, then I think you ride Geno and you see where you're at and how the quarterback class looks next year. Um, I hope you're right. But, yeah, I, I hope so too. But Brugler is... Certainly not the only one who has mocked Hooker to Seattle this uh, draft process. So we are going to move on now. So we're in the back half of the second round at the 52nd pick. And the player that I was hoping would last is still here. I was tempted to take Steve Avila, the guard out of TCU, just a mean fucker. But instead, the decade-long search for Seattle's next long-term center ends now. With John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Rob, your thoughts on that pick? I think it's very likely that Seattle will take him in the first round. So I, okay. I think you getting him here is 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 value in terms of how the NFL is projecting him. I think he this is kind of the range he should go, but there's just too many people out there saying he's gonna go in the twenties. So mm-hmm. I mean I I couldn't believe he was available, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that a realistic scenario is Let's say Will Anderson does last to number five. Okay. Let's say Chris Sims is right and he's the th- he's like in a, the third tier of pass rushes or whatever <laughs> he has him listed in. Okay. <laughs> Let's say he's there at five. I could definitely imagine them taking him there, trading down from twenty into maybe the twenty-four spot, something like that, and then taking John Michael Schmitz. And then and I think if he's gone, let's say the Giants, because the Giants been heavily linked with him at I think twenty-six or twenty-five. If the Giants take him, I think they could pivot to to Joe Tipman or they could take Luke Weipler at this pick here. So I think the Seahawks, are, I think it's almost certain the Seahawks are going to come out with a center in the first two rounds. They're going to use one of these picks on a center. John Michael Schmitz has got the wrestling background. He's got the short shuttle. He's got the personality that they're going to love. He he fits perfectly. And the good news is, is that Luke Weipler fits in, 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 he ticks every box as well. And they, they sent Steve Hutchinson to work out Schmitz. I know that Shane Waldron spent a bit of time with Weipler at the Ohio State Pro Day. And 
Hutchinson went and spent some time with Tipman and worked him out as well. He's he's got an incredible. She's like a four three one short shuttle or something. Tipman and just like Mister Football, they all are. So one of these three guys. This is my big. You know, if, if I could bet on on this, this is not an option to bet on in England. But if I could bet on the Seahawks taking ascension the first two rounds and it'd be one of those three guys, I'd be lumping on that. Yep. Yep. So I finally got uh, Rob's seal of approval on a pick. It only took me four. <laughs> Who you got here? Okay, this is another one that people are going to hate, um, but this is a guy that I love. I've I've loved him for a, a long time. I don't think he's going to be here in this range when when the draft comes around. I am going to take Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver at Ole Miss. I I just you think he moves up that wow. he, now he's gaining a ton of steam because uh, he wasn't really on the radar early in this process, but he is shooting up draft boards. You think that he's going in the top fifty? I've had him as a second round pick since October. I, I, I since the first time I watched him, I thought I want this player in Seattle. He he is perfect for them. I think he is six two, two hundred twenty pounds, runs in the four fours, big hands. He can get downfield and take the top off a, a defense, but his best position is as a big slot receiver. You know, you can line him up in the slot. This is what he did at Ole Miss. He can separate over the middle on crossing routes. He can box people out. He's incredibly physical. He had this unbelievable one-handed catch deep downfield last year because he just caught it like he had a baseball mitt on. He he had the best moss of the college football season last year. Uh, He did. he, He blocks like a tight end. If you can if you want to run the ball and you want your receivers to block, he's gonna get out there. And dump somebody and on the roster. That's what ass. Shane Waldron wants. Let's let let's be perfectly honest about that. Shane Waldron wants and needs his receivers to block. And there's a difference between a willingness to block and where you would call blocking a strength. And blocking mm-hmm. with Jonathan Mingo is strength. He has got unbelievable character. I'm let's believe I've never spoken to him, but apparently he's all in, you know, dedicated. The comparison that you hear so often is Anquan Bolden, except he runs a four four, and Anquan Bolden run like a four eight or something like that. So yeah, yeah. I'm taking Jonathan Mingo. I'm laughing all the way to the podium if he's he's there. I know that I've taken a quarterback, a receiver, and a tight end in these first three picks, but I've set out to <laughs> I've set out to draft. I want to make the most of this draft in terms of what I think is value. I want to. For me, it's it's year two of a of a rebuild. And I want to get talent, talent, talent. I want to set things up for the future. And the thought of having Mingo as your third receiver in the slot with Lockett and Metcalf, you've got Gino and Ken Walker for this year. That you know, I've drafted a quarterback for the longer term. You know, for the, you know, thinking beyond twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. I'm thinking longer term with that. I've got a tight end who I think could be an, an eight year to ten year stalwart for the Seahawks, who whose probably floor is to be a Zach Ertz type. I just like the way that I've set this team up and I think it fits the way that they want to play because I've seen Levis play in this offense. I think Michael Mayer is Zach Miller and they did so well with Zach Miller. I think Mingo is just going to bring attitude and quality to that offense. And I just want him. I just want these guys. You know who Mingo reminds me of? He makes me think of Chase Claypool with his head screwed on straight. Yeah, I, I think like that. Just, yeah, a bit more in control of himself, like mm-hmm. controlled mm-hmm. violence, as opposed to Claypool just playing like someone's, like he's got a wire 
like you know like on a firework and it's been lit and it's and it's fizzling up to his ass and he's kind of like running around going oh shit you know like what this is going to go off any second that's kind of how he plays whereas i think with mingo it's just he, you know i have a term that i use on the blog it's it you know it, the letters are b a m f i say it's a bamf and that's jonathan mingo so get it get him on the roster and that's just it's going to beat up the niners that's what i'm that's what i say yeah, hey, I'm I'm into it. I, I like Mingo. I've been getting more familiar with him in the last couple of weeks. I certainly would not hate seeing him uh, in the Seahawks uniform for the next few years. And, you know, the value of having a big slot for the longest time, it was about having a big Des Bryant style X receiver and a Z receiver that can move all around. And then your slot guy is this tiny little dude. And that's the way the NFL is going, you're starting to see smaller guys on the outside because they can separate and bigger guys on the interior and taking advantage of size matchups um, against slot corners and things like that. So uh, Mingo certainly fits that trend. All right, Mike, do your worst. All right. So I think that with Bijan at five, we can eliminate wide receiver <laughs> oh because we're clearly pivoting away from 11 personnel towards 21. We're getting Ken Walker and Bijan on the field at all times. So who needs a third wide receiver? It seems redundant. At 20, we clearly needed a safety. Uh, but Michael Mayer was definitely going through my mind. And, you know, day two, I'm regretting not taking Michael Mayer. So we're having a FOMO uh, pick right here. We're taking tight end Luke Schoonmaker out of uh, Michigan. <laughs> Because he's a mediocre route runner with minimal production, but rostering a fourth tight end who can block is always worth it. <laughs> it's funny because you're skipping, like, even going tight end here is, all right, it's, it's fine. It's an awesome tight end class. You're skipping, like, four of the most athletic tight ends in the history of the Exactly. Combine. You've got Tucker Craft, you've got Sam Laporta, you've got Brenton Strange all on the board. We're taking, you know, we're taking a Michigan man here, right? Yeah. We're big Harbaugh Yeah, you got Zach Koontz breaking the combine, yeah. but nope, nope. No, no, want no. Hard no. nose. We want, we want uh, middling, middling traits. Well, you've, well, the thing is, is, is you miss, you're burying the lead a little bit here, and that's that he's had like, a, a, he's had every bad injury that you could possibly have in his college career. Yeah. Like he is... He's he's had so he's resilient. Yeah, he's he's bounced back from all of those setbacks. He's he's had a series of really bad injuries. Uh, Trades wise, he actually tested very very well at the combine. You know, surprisingly well. But you know, took a craft and Sam Laporte to just a, a different level. Yeah, it's all relative. But um, yeah, well, you know, it's a it's a cocktail of of misery. Yeah. yeah. Who did uh, Brugler give to the Seahawks? Uh, it was uh, Steve Avila. Okay. Out of TCU. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that pick. Uh, just, however, however, we got to address the interior of that offensive line. It was just so apparent. Middle of the season started with the Bucks game. Teams realized that they could just attack Seattle up the middle and blow everything up, and it took Seattle a month to figure out what to do with that. So, uh, yeah, if if it's Avila, I'd be fine with that too. I'd prefer the center, but certainly wouldn't hate uh, a highly touted guard. And at 52. All right. This is the last of Seattle's five picks in the first two days of the draft. Rob, you're up. Who are you taking of the players who are still available? Well, there's a player available that I really love. And uh, I'm, again, running to the podium with this. It is uh, Byron Young of Alabama. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not the Tennessee pass rusher. It's the uh, it's it's the Alabama defensive end. 
So I was, again, as I mentioned, I was watching all of Clemson's game and I watched all of Alabama's games as well so I could watch Will Anderson. And every single time I watched Will Anderson, there was this bit, I can't remember what number he was, like 40-something, like 43 or 45 that he was wearing. This guy just stood out, just jumped off the screen every single time. In the backfield, he created so many opportunities for Henry Toa the the linebacker, to sort of burst through because what Young would do is he'd just sort of slip a block, get into the backfield, draw attention and draw protection and just create lanes for blitzing linebackers. And that on top of his ability to, to read and react to what an offense is doing to two gap, which is what this scheme needs, he will fit into this def- defense like a glove. He is an alpha. He is going to come in there. I, I, If you listen to him speak, he's so similar to Red Bryant. Like he sounds like, if you closed your eyes, you'd think this is Red Bryant talking here. Obviously, he's not as big as Red Bryant. But- That's something because uh, my wife and I had a chance to meet Red Bryant. And the first thing she did was ask him to sign her boob. Well, there which you go. she did. That's fantastic. So if we've got another potential boob signer in the <laughs> mix, big. then, huge. you know, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> you know, that, that is just incredible. <laughs> I love that. I just love the thought of that. Um, okay, yep. so um, moving on. I think Byron Young is, <laughs> I, I think he's the kind of guy you, you want to go to war with. And I think he's a better pass rusher than people think. He's never going to be, he's not going to be what Draymond Jones hopefully is going to be, like a game-wrecking 8-10 to 10 sack guy. But he's going to get out there and he's going to give you absolutely everything. He's going to play well against the run. He's going to disrupt enough to create opportunities for other people. And I think if you can get defensive linemen who can free up your linebackers so that you know Bobby Wagner and uh, Devin Bush and, and Jordan Brooks, when he comes back, can play free and fast, that your edge rushers can, can have a, an easier path through to the backfield. I think that's how this defense turns a corner and, and gets better. So I've got Keanu Benton and Byron Young coming in. They're not flashy. They're not Jalen Carter. They're not Kalijah Kansi, who I love. But they're not those types of guys. But what they are is that you're gonna they're going to play a whole bunch of snaps. And I think they solidify your defensive front and allow the playmakers that you do have on defense. You've signed one of them in the offseason. You've signed Bobby Wagner as well. You've already got edge guys. I think this really gives you a chance to be you know, a really tough team that can go on the road and can match up against opponents and say, give it your best shot. Yeah, I like it. Byron Young, absolutely on my short list uh, for players here. The guy I really wanted, I I like the running backs at this part of the draft, uh, but there was one that stood out of the ones that were almost available. The Buccaneers took him right before our pick at 83. That was Roshan Johnson out of Texas. Uh, who reminds me a ton of Chris Carson. But since he's gone, I am going to opt for, and I'm tempted to go running back here with Kendra Miller, running back out of Texas Christian. Um, you know, there, there's another running back in this draft that is pretty polarizing named Zach Evans, who was coming out, and and there was talk that he, it was like him or B. John Robinson, which one of these two is going to be the best running back in college football. And Kendra Miller essentially retired Zach Evans and, and forced him to transfer to Ole Miss. Uh, I love everything about Miller's game, but there's another player here that I want to take. I almost took guard at the last pick opted for center, 
the guard that I was hoping would still be here uh, at the 83rd pick is, and that is Anthony Bradford out of LSU. Just a giant, mean dude. He's huge, uh, 330 pounds, and and he seems versatile to me. And Rob, maybe you can speak to it a little bit more, but he seems like a two-way blocker. Really good at opening up rushing lanes. Also stout in, in pass protection. I just think that if over the next two years you can develop two interior offensive linemen with the weapons that this team has, look, it's great to have an awesome defense that shuts everybody down, but you just have to score points. You just got to score a lot of points uh, to win in, to win a Super Bowl. It's just that's how it is. You look at the teams that win Super Bowls, they're scoring 30, 40 points against great defenses in the Super Bowl. If you want to ring, you got to score. And if you want to score, you got to block. So I'm taking Anthony Bradford, the guard out of LSU. Rob, what are your thoughts? I, I think he's a I think he's a top 75 player in this class. I think he is he's tremendous. I think at this at the senior bowl, he, he, you know, you you sort of see stuff. You 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 um you watch the combine. He was I, there were a few players at the Combine who I'd not really watched, and then they, they turn up at the Combine, and you, you, it was just incredible watching him. Emil Ekior is another one. And there was a few others. Uh, I just thought, wow. And then I went back and watched the tape, and he's just an absolute warrior. You know, I, I've, I've probably put him a notch below Damien uh, Lewis. So I thought Damien Lewis was a top 50 player when he was coming out. Bradford is very, very similar, but perhaps just lacks just a little bit of that wow factor that Lewis had, but he was so solid. He was such a, a battler up front. I think if you just want somebody who is going to be able to go out there in your big divisional games and, you know, get you a yard when you need a yard, free up a big running lane, you know, make sure the opponent has a difficult day. Anthony Bradford's the kind of blocker that you want. So I think it's, I think it's a terrific pick. He's, he's, he's a definitely a favorite of mine. Um, I, I think actually when you get to sort of round three to five, I think there's going to be some really good effect. I think that's the kind of range to take offensive linemen. You know, it's, it's tempting to go early and I think the Seals will draft a center earlier than that. Um, but there, there are a lot of guard, tackle converts to guard, center options in that kind of range that I think are really appealing. And, and you know, for me, Bradford and Ecchio are at the top of the list. Okay. All right. I'm feeling good about it. Mike, what's your parting shot? All right. I think it's about time that I address the offensive line, don't you? You know, we were leaving the centers on the board. John Michael Schmitz, Weipler, they were available at the last pick, but we decided to take a tight end instead. He can block. It makes sense. Uh, But so the Seahawks clearly need help on the interior. They are pretty set at tackle after drafting Abe Lucas and Charles Cross last year. So we're going to take another tackle. We're taking John Ojuku out of Boise State. Uh, He's a projected late round guy. But like you said, Jackson, you got to go get your man, right? So we're addressing that. He's a redshirt senior. He'll turn 25 during his rookie year. Uh, He's a huge man. And you know what? Don't worry. We'll convert him to guard. Maybe center. Who knows? (laughs) Because as Tom Cable once said, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you can flip his position every year or two to make things as difficult as humanly possible. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. And who did Brug- who did Brugler give us? Uh Brugler gave us Brugler gave us Nick Herbig, uh linebacker edge out of Wisconsin. How do you feel about that pick, Rob? I he's just a tweener. You know, he he had a lot of production and He's a good athlete, but he's 
he's so small it, it, it just doesn't seem I don't I just don't see them doing that you know even Uchenna and Wosu has long arms you know they, they're just I, I don't I understand why they would think like you know three four defense they need an outside rusher and stuff like that and they'd, they'd go for it here but I, I for me just too much of a tweener don't think it's that realistic I think they had him in for an official visit though so maybe I'm you know maybe I'm uh, dismissing that poorly here and, and he is somebody I I, the, I find it interesting that they brought in like they brought in Will McDonald for a visit they brought in Byron Young from Tennessee for a visit Yaya Diaby from Louisville and Nick Herbig that I think they are going to bring in a, an, a you know an outside linebacker edge at some point and I think they're preparing that if Will Anderson isn't there then maybe that's you know they, they go down the list maybe Will McDonald at 20 or in the 20s Maybe then it's 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 young in in in, in round three or late round two, Diaby round three, round four, Herbig round four is where I'd kind of have him going. Um, I think they're covering their bases to make sure that they've got the most information about these guys. So um, maybe I shouldn't rule him out, but he's he's just not somebody that if they pick him, I'll be like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and I I just don't have a lot of thoughts on him. <laughs> so so there you have it. Uh, the first three rounds have been mocked for the Seahawks. Mike, can you run down Rob's team, my team, your team, and then give us Bruglers as well? Yes, of course. So Rob went Will Levis, quarterback, Michael Mayer, tight end, Keanu Benton, defensive tackle, Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver, Byron Young, defensive lineman. Jackson went Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver, Trenton Simpson, linebacker, John Michael Schmitz, center, Anthony Bradford guard. I went Bijan Robinson running back, Brian Branch safety, Tanner McKee quarterback, Luke Schoonmaker tight end, and John Ojuku offensive tackle. And uh, clearly the worst <laughs> of the four, Dane Brugler went Tyree Wilson, uh, Edge, Jackson Smith and Jigba wide receiver, Hendon Hooker quarterback, Steve Avila guard, and Nick Herbig linebacker Edge. Okay. And we'll post these teams to Twitter as well so y'all can vote on your favorite. Rob, how are you feeling about your team? Uh, I, I feel good about it, but I can't wait to see what Twitter thinks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, yeah. I, I've, I've, um, I, I get accused of, of being like a Will Levis uh, water carrier. I, I, I do like the guy, but I, you know, quite frankly, I think this is an exciting draft. I think there's, there's a whole bunch of players that the Seahawks could draft at 5, 20, 37, 52 that, that are really interesting and really exciting. And, and the, the thing that you, when you have this much quantity, you're going to come out of this. I think anybody, whatever position you kind of have on the draft, you're going to come out of it thinking, yeah, you know, I quite like that. You know, I like the options. I can get excited about this. So, I, you know, I'm not, I, I'm very much open. I think, as I said before, I think, I think personally it will come down to who's there between Will Anderson and Anthony Richardson for the Seahawks. I think that's, that's my prediction as to, to what they will probably do a week out. Um, I, I agree. And, and that's why I, I wanted to use this particular mock draft because it kind of forced you and I to mm. get out of our comfort zone at number five with both of those guys gone. But I, I like Levis and, and I think he's got a, a bright future and I'm happy to sit him for a year or two and think long-term with him, even despite his age. I like, I, I really like Michael Mayer. I think the value is great. I, I, I really like Keanu Benson. I think he's, he's a top, top player. Mingo, we, you know, I've talked about, and, and then with, with Young, I think what you're, you're getting tough players, physical players, they're going to fit in your culture. You're going to get a whole bunch of snaps out of them. I think they can be impact players with the exception of Levis, who you're going to sit deliberately. Um, I, I just think there's a bright, 
I think if you put that class out there, I think the future would be really bright. And um, and I think there's one or two of those players could end up being really good. You know, I think Mingo and Mayer and Levis could be exceptional players, you know, in this league. Like I say, I think Levis has got the potential to be a Herbert type. I think Mayer can be a top tight end. And I think Mingo could be, you know, because Tyler Lockett's never got the credit he, he truly deserves. And I think Mingo could right. be that kind of player that, you know, eight years have gone by and everyone goes, hey, do you know, he's a hell of a player. You know, he's just got 800 to 1,000 yards every year. So, mm-hmm. and I just love the idea of like moving Tyler Lockett in the slot and Mingo outside and then moving the other way around, Mingo in the slot, Tyler Lockett outside, doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's, I, I like this draft class, but I'm I'm anticipating a load of uh, angry Twitter people saying, well, that's, that's stay in. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Get out of my feed. That, 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 that's a given no matter what. I think, I think we're all going to get a little bit of that uh, feedback. Personally, I think we just fixed the Seahawks. You know, for me, there were three quarterbacks in this draft that I would have been thrilled to take at number five. But since they were off the board, that freed me up to attack more glaring positions of need. I certainly have no problem rolling with Geno moving forward. Maybe you take another look at a rookie next year. Um, but all of that is to say it's probably why they'll just go ahead and draft Mike's team instead. Yeah, you know, it, it is a gift. You know, I try to bear that responsibility responsibly. You did not address the long snapper need, though, Mike. Actually, That's okay, true. fun fact. Jackson uh, sprung it on me on the last second that we were only doing the first five picks. So my last two picks were uh, Michael Turk, punter out of Oklahoma, and Alex Ward, long snapper out of UCF. So I thought that through. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it, man. All right. All right. Before we wrap this up, Rob, what would you say your confidence level is from one to 10 that you'll be happy with how this draft goes for Seattle? I think probably 10, you know, nine and a half to 10. I I, I don't think there's anything that would, you know, because I didn't like the Charles Cross pick particularly last year. I didn't, I, I, I thought Charles Cross was, you know, probably a late first, early second round type of guy. But it doesn't matter. Like I could, I could understand the plan. You know, the team took a left tackle in number nine. Like I'm not going to quibble about that. And then mm-hmm. I thought they got great value with Maffei and Walker. I, you know, I thought Abraham Lucas was a first round talent. They got him in round three. You know, I had Tariq Woolen in round two. They got him in round five. You know, it, it, it just I came away thinking this is great. You know, I, I don't. My personal view on Charles Cross is not going to cloud my thinking on this. I thought I genuinely thought it was an A plus draft. I didn't say that just to get a nice YouTube video or whatever or have people go thank you for saying it's A plus. I did it because I legitimately thought this is A plus even though I wasn't a hundred percent that first pick. And I suspect something similar. Like I'm not a big Tyree Wilson guy. If you take him at five, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to sit back after the draft and go, I understand the thought process here with this. I understand why they've done this, this and this. Maybe I would have taken this guy instead, but you know what? I understand what they're thinking here. And because they've got so many picks, what, 10 picks, the chance to maybe even get more, I will come away afterwards and probably be able to understand the, the thought process with it. So I'm pretty certain I'll be able to come away. And I'm not tied to quarterback or defensive end. I think that's probably part of the problem within some sections of the fan base. You've got people who are very aggressively against drafting a quarterback, and you've got people who are very aggressively for drafting a quarterback. And those people are going to be dis- one of those sides are going to be disappointed next week. Whereas I'm kind of like happy with either. Um, I just want to be able to come out of it understanding what I think they're trying to do. So I'm confident I will get to that point. So 
to answer that question, I'm, it's probably a 10 because I, I don't anticipate any reason to feel disappointed about what they're going to do. Yeah, in, unless they take Jalen Carter. But I don't – see, the thing is <laughs> – the thing is, though, is it, can I just say a final thing on Jalen Carter? Because I, I, let's not – I don't want anyone to think that if they take – I don't think they will take Jalen Carter. But if they take Jalen Carter, I've said this a few times, I will own it. I will eat the crow that I got it wrong because it's basically a projection thing. It's not It's not a, I don't want him anywhere near Seattle. It's I don't think they're going to take him. So if I'm wrong on that, I will own that completely. I'll have an article up immediately right, right. saying, got that wrong. Here's why I got it wrong. And here's what I'm thinking about it. And within that piece, I will also voice some of my concerns about what's going to happen between minicamp and training camp. But that's part of the, you know, that's it to be expected. But I will say this is what they're getting. And at the end of the first round, I will review what they've done. I'm, I'm not going to give the Carter pick a bad grade. If they take a chance on the most talented player in the draft, fine. You know, it's it's it's. I don't have an issue with that at all. I just don't personally think it's going to happen because of the evidence that I think is out there to sort of make a projection as to what the Seahawks are going to do. But I don't have a problem with it. So if they take Carter, I will not be unhappy with that pick. I'm I, the part of the stuff that I've been doing over the last few weeks is to just try and bring another side to the story because there's been so much Carter, Carter, Carter talk, you know, on the radio and the yep, Twitter and totally. the national media. I just think because I don't think it's going to happen, I've tried to bring some balance to that debate. But if they take yep. him, it's on me to own it and say I was wrong. And then I will look at the positives and the negatives of the pick like I would with anybody else. And I will do that with Levis, Richardson, Stroud, Anderson. As far as I'm concerned, it's time to, to analyze the pick, not hammer. I would not be criticizing and hammering the team for that. Yeah, well, and, and that's one of the things I appreciate about your coverage is you don't get locked into a take. You know, uh, I think one of the best things we can do is allow new information to inform new opinions. Uh, and, and you've always been excellent at that. And listen, man. This has been a blast. You are the perfect guest for this one. Thank you for coming back into the lounge with us. No, my pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it and um, can't wait to see the reaction to the pigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, man. And as we get out of here, where can the folks listening get more of you? Seahawkstraplog.com. It's it's very busy. I'm posting like three articles a day at the moment. And uh, the you know, YouTube channel, If you, I think it's Rob State and Football, but if you, if you sign just search for Rob Stay, and I do a lot of stuff on there. There's going to be a lot of streams, some interviews between now and the uh, start of the draft, some instant reaction to every pick will be on the YouTube channel, and it'll all be on seahawkstraplog.com. And if you can put up with uh, 50% of my tweets being about the day job, which is English soccer for the BBC, then at Rob Staten on Twitter. All right, friends, that does it for today. Make sure you're adding Rob to your follows and checking out his excellent insight over at seahawkstraplog.com. And you guys, we have some extremely exciting announcements for y'all next week. It's something that we are very, very stoked about. I still can't believe it's happening. So stay tuned for that. As for us, you can find Mike and I on social media as well. I am on Twitter at at Jackson Bevins. That's J-A-C-S-O-N. Mike is on Twitter at at Mike Barwin. And the show itself is at Cigar Thoughts. You can find us on Instagram at Cigar Thoughts NFL and on Facebook at Seahawks Cigar Thoughts. Of course, you can listen to this show and read every article at fieldgoals.com slash cigar thoughts. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts and you like the show, drop us a five-star rating, leave a quick review. Thank you to all of y'all listening for your continued support of this show. We know you've only got so much time for podcasts in your life. It's an honor to be a part of that. 
Please know that by sharing the show on social media and with your friends, you give us the juice to keep making this happen. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, onwards and upwards, my friends. Bye.